Chapter Six of The Money Moon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Money Moon, a Romance by Geoffrey Farnell. Chapter Six of the Sad Condition of the Haunting Spectre of the Might Have Been. Dapplemere Farmhouse, or The Manor, as it was still called by many, had been built when Henry the Eighth was king, as the carved inscription above the door testified. The house of Dapplemere was a place of many gables, and latticed windows, and with tall, slender chimneys shaped and wrought into things of beauty and delight. It possessed a great old hall. There were spacious chambers, and broad stairways. There were panelled corridors, sudden flights of steps that led up or down again for no apparent reason. There were broad and generous hearths, and deep window-seats, and everywhere, within and without, there lurked an indefinable old-world charm that was the heritage of years. Storms had buffeted, and tempests had beaten upon it, but all in vain, for, save that the bricks glowed a deeper red where they peeped out beneath the clinging ivy, the old house stood as it had upon that far day when it was fashioned, in the year of our Lord, one thousand five hundred and twenty-four. In England many such homes are yet to be found, monuments of the bad old times, memorials of the dark ages, when lath and stucco existed not, and the jerry-builder had no being. But where among them all might be found such another parlour as this at Dapplemere, with its low raftered ceiling, its great carved mantel, its panelled walls whence old portraits looked down at one like dream faces, from dim and nebulous backgrounds? and where might be found two such bright-eyed, rosy-cheeked, quick-footed, deft-handed Phyllises as the two buxom maids who flitted here and there, obedient to their mistress's word or gesture. And lastly, where in all this wide world could there ever be found just such another hostess as Miss Anthea herself? Something of all this was in Baloo's mind as he sat with small Porges beside him, watching Miss Anthea dispense tea brewed as it should be in an earthen teapot milk and sugar mr bellew thank you this is blackberry and this is raspberry and red currant but the blackberry jam's the best uncle porges thank you nephew now aren't you awful glad i found you under that hedge uncle porges nephew i am nephew repeated anthea glancing at him with raised brows oh yes nodded bellew we adopted each other at about four o'clock this afternoon under a hedge you know added small porges wasn't it a very sudden and altogether unheard-of proceeding anthea inquired well it might have been if it hadn't happened anywhere but in arcadia what do you mean by arcadia uncle porges a place i've been looking for nearly all my life nephew I'll trouble you for the blackberry jam, my Porges. Yes, try the blackberry. Aunt Priscilla made it her very own self. You know, it's perfectly ridiculous, said Anthea, frowning and laughing both at the same time. What is Miss Anthea? Why, that you should be sitting here calling Georgie your nephew, and that I should be pouring out tea for you, quite as a matter of course. It seems to me the most delightfully natural thing in the world said bellew in his slow grave manner but i've only known you the half an hour 
Oh, but then friendships ripen quickly in Arcadia. I wonder what Aunt Priscilla will have to say about it. Aunt Priscilla? She is our housekeeper, the dearest, busiest, gentlest little housekeeper in all the world. But with very sharp eyes, Mr. Bellew. She will either like you very much, or not at all. There are no half-measures about Aunt Priscilla. Now I wonder which it will be, said Bellew, helping himself to more jam. Oh, she'll like you, of course, nodded Small Porges. I know she'll like you, cause you're so different to Mr. Cassilis. He's got black hair and a mustache, you know, and your hair's gold like mine. And your mustache isn't there, is it? And I know she doesn't like Mr. Cassilis, and I don't either, cause she will be back to-morrow, said Anthea, silencing Small Porges with a gentle touch of her hand. And we shall be glad, shan't we, Georgie? The house is not the same place without her. You see, I am off in the fields all day as a rule, a farm. Even such a small one as Dapplemere is a great responsibility, and takes up all one's time, if it is to be made to pay. And sometimes it doesn't pay at all, you know, added Small Porges, and then Auntie Anthea worries, and I worry too. Farming isn't what it was in Adam's young days, so that's why I must find a fortune. Early tomorrow morning, you know, so my auntie won't have to worry any more. Now, when he had got thus far, Anthea leaned over and, taking him by surprise, kissed Small Porges suddenly. It was very good and brave of you, dear said she in her soft, thrilling voice, to go out all alone into this big world to try and find a fortune for me. And here she would have kissed him again, but that he reminded her that they were not alone. But, Georgie, dear, fortunes are very hard to find, especially round Dapplemere, I'm afraid, said she with a rueful little laugh. Yes, that's why I was going to Africa, you know. Africa, she repeated, Africa. Oh, yes, nodded Bellew. When I met him, he was on his way there to bring back gold for you, in a sack. Only Uncle Porges said it was a goodish way off, you know, so I decided to stay and find the fortune nearer home. And thus they talked unaffectedly together until tea being over, Anthea volunteered to show Bellew over her small domain, and they went out, all three, into an evening that breathed of roses and honeysuckle. And as they went, slow-footed through the deepening twilight, Small Porges directed Bellew's attention to certain nooks and corners that might be well calculated to conceal the fortune they were to find, while Anthea pointed out to him the beauties of shady wood, of rolling meadow, and winding stream. But there were other beauties that neither of them thought to call to his attention, but which Bellew noted with observing eyes nonetheless such, for instance, as the way Anthea had of drooping her shadowy lashes at sudden and unexpected moments, the wistful droop of her warm red lips, and the sweet round column of her throat. These, and much beside, Bellew noticed for himself as they walked on together through this midsummer evening. And so, betimes, Bellew got him to bed, and though the hour was ridiculously early, Yet he fell into a profound slumber, and dreamed of nothing at all, but, far away upon the road, forgotten and out of mind, with futile writhing and grimaces, the haunting shadow of the might-have-been 
gibbered in the shadows. End of chapter 6